Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and welcome to McCollum Wellness Radio. Now more than ever, our country needs to learn how to take care of our own health, and it's my mission to empower you on that journey. Please join me each week as I cover these topics and interview experts throughout the field to bring you the answers you need to reach your maximum health potential. Thank you and enjoy the show. Today's show features world-renowned Andrew Wakefield, director of the highly popular groundbreaking documentaries 1986 The Act, Vaxxed, and Vaxxed 2. In these films, he uncovers the deep-seated, profit-driven corruption of the vaccine industry in America and across the globe. Andrew Wakefield is a former doctor whose medical license was revoked by the multi-trillion dollar medical industry after he published a study in 1998 that found an undeniable link between the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine and autism. This study was quickly buried since its widespread impact would assuredly result in the medical establishment losing billions of dollars. Ever since, Andrew Wakefield has been passionate about saving the children from these cruel business practices driven solely for profit to inject toxic solutions containing neurotoxins like aluminum and mercury into children. Even worse is the fact that these businesses have been aware of the amounting evidence published in medical journals that found these solutions to be triggering a whole range of chronic diseases from asthma to gastrointestinal disorders, neurological disorders, learning disorders, developmental disorders, and autism. His most recent documentary film, 1986 The Act, just so happened to be released in 2020 during the worldwide panic of a perceived pandemic. In Wakefield's own words, this film covers the untold story of the extraordinary and far-reaching consequences of what happened when products such as vaccines and the entire vaccine manufacturing industry were removed from the free market when the United States government passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. The free market operates in such a way that good products and safe products succeed in the marketplace, whereas bad products, unsafe products fail. In the free market, these companies that fail are either forced to improve their products or they go out of business. In the case of products like vaccines, these constraints were removed with the Act of 1986 so that bad and unsafe vaccines can still be used regardless of their inefficacy and harmfulness, and the companies that produce them are not held financially responsible for any death or injury their products have caused. When the government mandates these bad or unsafe products to every child in the United States and increasingly worldwide to every child and adult on the planet, while deliberately disabling and corrupting the system of checks and balances that have been put in place to identify and correct problems with vaccine safety, then this nightmare becomes a full-blown disaster. And that is exactly where we are now, and that is why Wakefield's film 1986 The Act is so timely. 
Once out of the free market, vaccine manufacturers have no liability for the death and injury their products cause and no incentive to run safety trials to keep their products from failing. They have mandatory markets, a perfect business plan. All they can do is make a profit. And that is what this film hopes to put an end to. Even when safety trials are conducted, such as with the HPV vaccine, the vaccine is not tested against a full placebo such as an inert saline solution. Rather, the vaccine is put up against a placebo solution which still contains an ingredient in the vaccine, aluminum, which is a neurotoxin. Putting neurotoxic heavy metals like mercury and aluminum into vaccines is common practice, which is highly alarming in itself, and yet, with the HPV vaccine trials, aluminum is used in the same amount or greater in the placebo, and so you see nearly the same amount of damage and death in both groups, the placebo and the actual vaccine. This deceptive technique makes it appear as though the vaccine is no worse than the placebo, and so therefore it can be licensed as safe. However, they are giving a neurotoxin in what is supposed to be an empty placebo, and that makes these safety trials extremely deceptive. Dr. Brian Hooker's latest research paper on vaccinated versus unvaccinated children found that conditions such as asthma, developmental disorder and delay, like autism, ear infections, and gastrointestinal disorders were far worse in the vaccinated children. On top of this, the younger a child has been vaccinated, the more severe the health issues. The ones who received more vaccines in their first year of life were at the greatest risk. This study found a clear link between childhood chronic disease and childhood vaccination. Yet this study has been completely ignored because it threatens the $200 billion vaccine industry and its push to get every human being vaccinated from cradle to grave. Another conflict of interest arises when we reflect on how the CDC is basically operating as a vaccine company. They sell $54 billion worth of vaccines each year and hold legal patents to numerous vaccines. How can a government agency who is supposed to regulate and oversee vaccine safety also be allowed to have skin in the game to own the very products they are supposed to regulate? You will learn all about this and more in this extremely revealing episode of McCollum Wellness Radio. Sasha girl You're gonna find the world is like a bounce on mama's knee I want to start off by saying I am so happy to have Andy Wakefield here. You've been leading the charge in, a, in an amazing attempt to help our children. And, um, you know, I just 
when did this start? I mean, it was back several decades ago that this whole thing began when you discovered that there was damage to the intestines of the children uh, and you believed it would be linked to the MMR vaccine. Is that correct? That's right. Back in, uh, this was, it started really um, at the beginning of the 90s, um, but really took off in 1995 when I got a call from a mother. I was a gastroenterologist working at the Royal Free Hospital. I got a call from a mother saying that her child had been developing perfectly normally, then he'd had an MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, and had regressed into autism rapidly after that. And she was calling me because he had terrible unresolved gastrointestinal problems, which she felt were absolutely related to his neurological decline, but that had been dismissed by doctors. And is, as is so often in these cases, the mother was absolutely right. And by the time I left the Royal Free Hospital, we'd seen something like 180 of these children and the same disease, the same syndrome appeared in so many of those children. So that was really the start of my journey into this issue. And the parents, the mothers were right about the bowel disease. They were right about the fact that this hitherto incurable disease, this fixed immutable disease was treatable with a diet. Something as simple as removing gluten and casein from the diet could make a dramatic impact upon these children's lives. And the psychiatrists have been telling us forever that it was, you know, put your kid in a home and forget about them. So it was a, a fascinating insight into how valid the story of the mother is when there is an illness in her child and how valuable that insight is. And we, we ignore it at our peril. So when it came to the vaccine issue, we had an absolute moral and professional obligation to pursue it. And I have no doubt that the parents were right on that issue as well as well yeah and you know i gotta tell you i was uh, on the way over i was thinking of charles dickens saying and is saying it's the best of times and it's the worst of times and you know right now we are in the midst of this quote pandemic unquote which is you know scaring a whole nation and a whole world and they were they're putting us to a state of where our adrenal glands are completely shot because of the stress and fear that we've been under um, and they're also talking about, um, you know, coming up with a, a, um, a vaccine somewhere in the future, which is going to potentially make this uh, safe for us in the future so we won't be susceptible to it. And the whole um, reason I wanted you on the show and the reason that you wanted to come on is because of, you know, you were the author and the, um, of the, the movie Vax that came out a few years ago, and we interviewed you back then. And now you're coming, you've come out with a new movie called The Act, and it has to do with the 1986 Act where Ronald Reagan signed into uh, law um, a, a bill that made the um, insurance companies basically immune to any, dam to, uh, any lawsuits caused by the damage of vaccines. And um, I mean, this is such a huge thing. The wool has been pulled over our eyes for so long. You've taken a brunt of this on your chin for us, but you just keep going forward. And first of all, I want to thank you. A lot of people don't know who you are. So a lot of us do, and we love you. Other people don't like you because you go against the grain of what traditional medicine is trying to push on us. But we're in a pandemic, quote unquote, of COVID, 
yet one out of 25 boys are coming up with autism. And I believe in Ireland, it's one out of 15 boys coming up with autism and nobody's paying attention to it. So why did you come up with this movie? What's it about? And where are we hoping to go from here? Well, you know, what happened to me is, uh, is, they, is what happens to anyone who confronts uh, the interests of an industry or a public health infrastructure that is so invested in vaccines for either uh, philosophical, practical or commercial reasons. And I was seeing so much damage and I simply couldn't ignore it. And so in order to stop me or try and stop me working on this, they took away everything. That was one, that was a long time ago. And then I became a filmmaker. I directed Vaxxed and there we had a incredibly powerful story of an insider from the CDC who designed and enacted a vaccine safety study looking at age of MMR exposure and autism risk based upon a hypothesis we shared with them and I shared with them in 2000 and they found that the risk was real. There was a very strong association between early MMR vaccine exposure and autism risk and they decided to bury the data, to destroy the documents, and to tell everybody it was safe to go back in the water, that it was perfectly safe, that uh, carry on getting your MMR on time. And they put millions and millions of American children at risk. They did untold damage to the brains of these children, and there was no accountability. The movie was huge. The movie spread worldwide, and I think a lot of the reaction to that has been the attempt to mandate these vaccines. So as soon as that was done, that film was done, I decided it was time to make a new film. And then th Now, this film is extraordinary in as much that it comes at a time that we could not have predicted, and that is this COVID-19 lockdown, when there has never been, never been more people in the world who are thinking about this issue, aware of this issue, aware of experts telling them one thing and the facts emerging as something completely different and then being told by a man who is there simply by virtue of his wealth and not a qualification that is relevant to us telling us that seven billion people are going to have to have a mandatory vaccination if everything is going to get back to normal that is bill gates we live in a bizarre time and so this film could not come at a better moment and just to give you some background to it there are several perspectives, but it could be seen as the story of the conception, the birth and the death of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. But it's really one perspective is that it's the untold story of the extraordinary and far reaching consequences of what happened when products such as vaccines or an industry such as the vaccine manufacturers are taken out of the free market. Now, you and I know the free market operates in such a way that good products, safe products succeed, they float to the surface, they succeed in the marketplace, and the companies thrive as a consequence. Whereas bad products, unsafe products fail, and companies are either forced to improve or they perish. Now, when you remove those constraints, such that bad and unsafe products have a protected niche in the marketplace, in the case of vaccines, the liability for harm, is taken away from the manufacturers, then you have a problem. And that problem becomes a nightmare when the government then mandates that unsafe product or products for every child in the US. 
and increasingly governments worldwide for every child and adult on the planet. And then when companies and federal agencies deliberately disable and corrupt the systems of checks and balances that have been put in place to identify and correct those problems with vaccine safety, then that nightmare becomes a full-blown disaster. And that is exactly where we are now. And that is why this film is so timely. So one way in which the film can be seen is an exposition on those events. It's a movie in the genre of what could possibly go wrong. You know, you have concealed dangers, self-interest, power, profit, driven by fear. And you mentioned fear, and that is the marketing tool that they use time and time again. It, they used it with swine flu, and they used it with polio, and they used it with uh, measles. They've used it now with COVID. Fear is something that motivates politicians uh, and the populace in a way that nothing else does. And if you take away from the manufacturer's product liability and therefore any incentive for safety, and you get the buy-in of billionaires and lawmakers and health agencies, then the answer to what can possibly go wrong is anything and everything. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, that's a pretty dark worldview. I'm increasingly persuaded there's a better way, a more evolved way, of, a more enlightened way of seeing these events. Yeah, I want to jump in for a minute and talk about the CDC and biologics versus drugs. So a lot of people out there don't know that the CDC is actually a military-based organization that uh, allows them. And one of the reasons they were put together, from what I understand, is in case of biological warfare from other countries, they need to be come, up, come up with an agent as quickly as possible to combat that, um, that potential biohazard or chemical element that comes in from the other country. So this is how it was enacted. This allows the, the companies to come up with vaccines and, that have never, ever been tested, nor do they need to be tested because it's a five-year test on drugs, but biologics don't need to be tested at all. And I think this is the, one of the big points that the people don't understand is they think that these, these vaccines have been tested and, you know, they don't have to test them. They don't want to test them because if they find out what we know which is that they do cause harm to children, then they would be held liable. So what you don't know can't hurt them in their viewpoint. Yeah, it's even more deceptive than that, but I'll commit. There is testing. And there is testing to the extent that they can say these things have been thoroughly tested. No, they haven't. It's a deception. And you're absolutely right. This was set up as a, as a sort of counter-biological warfare initiative to... If we need to deploy a vaccine against, say, anthrax rapidly in the face of a bioterror attack, we don't want to go through all of the hoops that we have to jump through for drugs for approval. So we want to just get it out there and people can, you know, get it and, and some will die and some will live. And hopefully we'll have a better outcome than the anthrax bio-warfare. And, and so that was really what it was, is a mechanism to circumvent regulation and vaccines fell into that rubric and and so what it's, it's even it's, it's what makes it worse is that you're going to give these 
vaccines to healthy children. It's not like a drug which is going to be used for treating end-stage cancer or, uh, you know, trying to cure very, very difficult diseases where you're dealing with unhealthy people who are usually, by and large, adults who are able to take uh, a calculated risk and say, yes, I want this. These, this. these are going to be mandated for every healthy child. So your level of stringency, your level of compliance with with good science should be above and beyond that it is way, way, way below what it should be. So we've got a massive problem, but then the deception is they say they do science, they do study it. And just for example, with the HPV vaccine, what we see is that the uh, full vaccine is put up in trial, not against a, an inert placebo, not against a saline injection, um, but against the adjuvant that's in the vaccine, the aluminum, which is the neurotoxin that you're particularly worried about. It's there in the same amount or greater in the, in the, the placebo. And if you see the same amount of damage and death in both groups, one receiving the placebo and one receiving the full vaccine, you can say, oh, it's no worse than the placebo and therefore we can license this vaccine, whereas they're giving a neurotoxin in the placebo. And that is what is even more deceptive than being able to say we don't need to test these things at all. So it is an outrageous situation that has allowed them this luxury. It's come about because they have no liability. They have no incentive to do the safety studies. They have mandatory markets, no liability, a perfect business plan. All they can do is make a profit. And that has got to stop. And that's what this film hopes to put an end to. Yeah, and I want to just fill in some of the blanks for the people because we know that the 1986 act occurred. And 19, I think it was 1989 is when the mass amount of different type of, um, of, of uh, um, vaccines came out. And that is when we had an explosion of the chronic, influ chronic disease in our country. I think in 1940, it was about 6%, 1986, 12%, 1989, and then five years later, because it takes four to five years for autism to be diagnosed from what I understand, our chronic inflammation, our chronic disease went from 12% to 54%. And right now, Michigan State University says that 81 million Americans have chronic, multiple chronic diseases, which are three or more. So there was a huge amount of um, vaccines unleashed in, the, in 18, or 1989, and that is when we started to see such an increase in autism because we had one in 25,000 in 1986, one in 600 in 2000, and today it's one in about 34, I believe. So this is what people don't understand. This is an epidemic that nobody's paying attention to except for those of us that see it and want to try to help save the 300 million children or however many there are being affected by this. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely devastating, and it goes so far beyond autism. Medicine, as you know, presents you with the tip of the spear. You see the worst cases first. But what if you just knocked off five points from every child's IQ who received these vaccines? How long would it take you to detect that in a population? Of course, this is what happened with lead, and it took 20 years 
to reconcile that issue. We now all fully accept that lead is toxic to the brains of children and should be and should not be allowed, as is it not allowed in petroleum products and in paints, for example. But so there you have this huge undercurrent of morbidity of disease, whereas we're seeing the tip of the spear. And you probably saw um, Brian Hooker's latest paper, a vaccinated versus unvaccinated paper, the other day, looking at four common childhood conditions, asthma, uh, developmental disorders or developmental delay, uh, ear infections, and, um, gosh, I forget, gastrointestinal issues. And he compared vaccinated and unvaccinated populations, and he found that there was a very, very clear association between worse health outcomes in vaccinated children compared to unvaccinated. And once again, when he analyzed it further, the children who got their vaccines youngest and who got more vaccines in their first year of life were at greatest risk. So there is now a clear, undeniable association between childhood chronic disease and childhood immunization patterns. And yet it has been completely ignored, and it's been completely ignored because there is this chaotic, head-on, full, worldwide um, push to get the whole world vaccinated from cradle to grave. This is now um, a $200 billion a year market um, within the next few years, according to the World Health Organization or the vaccine industry, and nothing is going to get in their way. Yeah, and I think, you know, a couple of things I want to uh, mention, uh, you know, we know that the unvaccinated children versus the vaccinated, and this is a Belgian study, I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about and the doctor, uh, 1,135% greater chance of developing chronic disease or, or autism if you've been vaccinated and especially considering that they get the hepatitis B vaccine on day one. And then I'd like to go and talk about the um, Simpson, Simpson Wood papers if, uh, if that's relevant because I think that is kind of where this all got hidden and why we really need to promote your movie and get people to come out and see it and then try to get this thing under control. Well, Simpson Wood was a an extraordinary example of the collusion between federal agencies and the drug companies to cover up an unwanted effect. And this came about because when they first recognized that the levels of thimerosal, the mercury-based preservative, in many of the vaccines like the hepatitis B and the Hib vaccine and the DPT vaccine, what they realized is that the amounts that were being given to children far exceeded the EPA's guidelines on toxicity for adults. I mean, it was a gross, gross error on the part of the federal agencies. They admitted in documents that appear in the film, they admitted that they had not done the eighth grade algebra to add up the amount of mercury in the vaccines. So they were very, very exposed on this. So they did a study. And they looked at mercury exposure in children who'd had no vaccines, no mercury-containing vaccines during the first month of life, and then children who'd had successively higher and higher doses 
of mercury, and they found that just the single dose of thimerosal-containing hepatitis B vaccine on day one of life led to a greater than sevenfold increase risk of autism. Yeah, that's amazing. And and also, they were the head of the FDA, I mean, the heads of the FDA, CDC, WHO, NIH, all the vaccine companies and all the academics. There were 52 people at this private meeting off-site. Day one, they talked about causation, and day two, they talked about the fact that this information can't get out. Oh, yeah, they, they, they enacted a huge cover-up. They realized there was a problem. They massaged the data. They pushed them and pulled them in their own words. One guy from, uh, from the World Health Organization said, this is the study that should never have been done because we knew what the result was going to be. What an extraordinary statement for someone to make. And all of this was on record, and all of this then emerged subsequently. So they, they involved themselves in one of the greatest cover-ups cover in the history of health, in the history of medicine, and they got away with it. There was no accountability, and that is why this movie is so important. They should not get away with it. They will not get away with it. They will go to their graves being known as the people who destroyed the lives of millions of children and then covered it up and denied compensation to those who were permanently damaged, and that will be known, and names will be named. Yeah, now, I think that there's something like 300,000, and the number could be wrong, children that we know are damaged from autism. Half of these guys will never go on a date. They won't ever get a chance to write a poem. They won't ever play baseball. They won't have a chance to go to the military, pay taxes. Well, I don't know how bad that is. They won't be able to cast a vote, run for office, speak, or use a toilet. I mean, half these guys are, you know, it's just this. This destroys the life of these children. And when you look at COVID, sure, it is potentially affecting the lives of people. These are 75-year-old people that are, you know, and I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing, but when you look at the epidemic of one out of 25 boys in America developing autism, and we're not paying attention of it, but we're worried about this other epidemic, which we may or may not be need to be, it's just how can we just go on and not notice what's going on. It's just, it appalls me. And when I talk to my patients and several of them, the women I've talked to come back in and I've seen their kids get the vaccines and be damaged. And I, all you can do is talk to them and have them make a choice, but they got to get educated. And I think that's what your movie wants to do is get people to look, get the stats, see what's been hidden from us, and then, you know, get the education before you make a decision. Yeah, and this is a, you know, in, in terms of, I'm talking as a movie maker now, it's a real challenge because the history of the legislation of the, the 1986 Act, the litigation that went on around it and the medical science is really complex. And how do you get that across to an audience, particularly an audience that is uneducated in this kind of thing because it's not been impacted them until now, till COVID-19? How do you get that across? And that was a real challenge. If you tried to do it in a standard talking head documentary, you put all the audience to sleep in 10 minutes. And so we thought about this, and I came up with a concept which had never been done before, but it actually, I believe, worked really well. And that is that we put it in the hands of the parents. We made a drama. What we made is we had a husband and wife couple who are coming to uh, having their first baby late in her reproductive life. 
and it's very precious. And they are faced with this question as every parent, every grandparent around the world is faced with what do we do about vaccination? And they were going to have and did have a discussion that every parent gets into about this. There was conflict. There was a difference of opinion. There was what about polio? There was all kinds of back and forth, but it was basically invested in the mother's instinct. And this is the key message. This is the thing we take away from it because it's the power of maternal instinct to that little voice inside that says, there isn't something not right about this. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to look at it. And the husband kind of, what about polio and storms out of the room? But she says, no, I'm going to look at this and you're going to come on this journey with me. Because if you're fit enough to be a father for this child and a husband and me, you're going to stay on this journey or you can move. And so they go on this journey together. And what emerges is a vindication, an endorsement, an extraordinary endorsement of that maternal instinct. And I, this is something I see time and time again in medical practice and in life, is there is a, a power that mothers have that has evolved and become refined over millions and millions of years, that is, has become a touchstone for our very survival. It is so much more powerful than medicine, than public health, than vaccines. It is literally a touchstone for our survival. And I've seen it time and time again prove right, prove absolutely right. And so my message and the message of the film to mothers in particular, is to trust that inner voice because it will serve you well, as it served us well as a species for many thousands and thousands of years. And for husbands, you listen to that. You acknowledge it because it is the salvation of mankind, ultimately. You know, I um, I just, that's so amazing. And I just want to, the audience, anybody that just tuned in, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum stepping in. I'm talking with Dr. Andrew, Andrew Wakefield uh, coming out. He's the, the gentleman who produced the movie Vaxxed, which is about the vaccine-injured children. He has a new movie coming out, The Act, which talks about Ronald Reagan signing into existence a bill that allowed the um, vaccine companies to be held harmless for any damage done by vaccinated injured children and they did set up a, a company too that I think is worth mentioning it's a vaccine um, injury compensation fund and they are I think they've paid over five billion dollars out in compensation for vaccine injured children that the drug companies weren't paying that we were and I was talking to Robert Kennedy the other day and he said well yeah but probably one percent of the children have have been of those claims have been uh, gathered. So, in other words, you take five hundred billion and, and multiply it by, or five billion and multiply it by a hundred, and that's not even touching the damage to these children that will never live a normal life and never have uh, the chance to to live a life. And I think one thing that would be worth talking about, and I think you talk about this in this film, is the DP the DPT uh, vaccine, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus vaccine that was outlawed in our in the United States because it was injuring like one in 300 children. And now this is one of the vaccines that Bill Gates has, uh, has been uh, taken to Africa and 
all these children that get that vaccine, they may not get those three diseases, but so many of them are dying of asthma or of um, pneumonia or anemia or other diseases. So we're wiping out the immune system. And I think that's a terrible thing that's happening, but it's a good test for us to look to see how effective are these and do we, should we be doing this? And so, and this is the guy that wants to make the vaccine for um, COVID. Yeah, just before I go on, the, the, the movie's name is 1986, The Act. And if people want to, like, strongly recommend you go to the website, log in as of now, and go to 1986theact.com and put your email in there. And as soon as the, uh, the website launches next week, then you will receive information updates on the premiere of the film, which is coming up very soon. But yeah, part of that, and in fact, much of the first part of the film deals with the DTP vaccine. Why? Because that was the vaccine that really led to the act being um, written in on the statute. It was that vaccine, and particularly the pertussis, the whooping cough component of that vaccine, that was causing an alarming level of damage in children. And it was calling, causing encephalitis, inflammation of the brain, seizures, uh, brain damage and death. It was um, a real problem, and it has an extraordinarily dark history that is exposed in the film. It was some of history that I thought I knew. I did not know anything. What we got during the making of the film was legal discovery that has never seen the light of day before, that is virtually unknown outside legal circles, and um, is the real reason that the drug companies could not go before a jury. They could not face the scrutiny of a court of law, and so they would settle these cases on the court steps, because if they were exposed for what they had really done, then they would be bankrupt in a heartbeat. And these documents form a major part of the opening uh, half an hour of the film and really drive the narrative forward from that point. They, what happened beyond that is that a safer vaccine was made available, the so-called acellular pertussis vaccine. But the problem with that is it does not work. It's not as effective. It's led to the emergence of resistant strains of pertussis. And so man dabbling in these organisms and believing that we understand them has led to this catastrophic situation where we have the re-emergence of whooping cough in highly vaccinated populations who now have no immunity to the toxin from the organism. So we've got a, a real dilemma and it's one that we have created. I'm just mentioning now the overall impact of DPT in Africa that you referred to, Peter Arby, who is the vaccinologist and the scientist who investigated this, showed that in effect, and these are his words, DTP may have killed more children from other conditions, other infectious diseases, other related conditions than it has saved from the target diseases of diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Killed more children than it's saved. It's done more harm than good. And bear in mind, this is the most widely used vaccine 
in the history of the world. These numbers that have died as a consequence of the use of this vaccine number in the millions. And it's, it's an extraordinary situation. He's begged for years for these studies to be done properly to determine this, what's called a non-specific effect. But um, they've refused to do these studies and continue with the DTP vaccination policy today. So a lot of all of this is now emerging. And you've got to bear in mind that Peter Arby is employed by a vaccine maker, by the Staten Serum Institute in Denmark. He's not coming from the position of being an anti-vaxxer. He's studied vaccines for his entire professional career in West Africa. And this is his conclusion. So we're in a very, very alarming position right now. We're faced with this mandatory vaccination of an untested vaccine against a minimally pathological agent, which I've just been reading the Swiss document, which summarizes COVID. It's no worse than a seasonal flu situation. Um, and certainly the mortality is lower. Uh, and we have a vaccine for, for flu, even though that doesn't work. But um, people need to understand as we face this extraordinary dilemma, as people are frightened out of their minds by people like Tony Fauci on television and Bill Gates waving his hands and proclaiming the merits of a vaccine that he's made, that, um, that we really need to understand the history of where this came from if we are to understand how we must proceed in future and how we need to be extremely careful because if we get it wrong, if Gates gets it wrong, if Fauci gets it wrong, if the drug companies get it wrong, as they have got it wrong before, many times, then we have a major problem on our hands. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, um, I, in fact, you know, and I know you and Bobby Kennedy talk quite a bit about this, but I was listening to, a, a, I was on a phone call with him and, and Dr. Daniel Pompa, who you know, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, sure, vaccine, it would be great if we could get a vaccine for this that was safe, but a vaccine that's not going to have methylmercury in it or aluminum in it or all these other toxic things that aren't going to cause more harm than good is it's like a zero percent chance and it would it takes five years to do testing on any type of medicine to see if it's safe and again since vaccines are called biologics for anybody that just tuned in the cdc which is a military organization doesn't require that they get their tested now they are doing some human testing and uh there's been some a lot of deception on what happened to these guys that were in the testing but um you know i, I think that it's really you know we've really got to wake up whether you believe in vaccines or not whether you think the body's own immune system is strong enough to to fight anything off or not we've got to find out what's going on and i think it would be worth a minute talking about the what mercury does it's it's a thousand times more toxic than um, lead and there's ethyl mercury and methyl mercury and they used to think that the ethyl mercury that they put in the vaccines and are still in the flu vaccine today 
um, would disappear out of the body. But we found different. Those those vaccines are did not get excreted out of the body, but they found themselves into the brain. And then there, with glyphosate, which is another thing that we've been worried about and getting out of our environment, these get driven into our brain and, and cause even more damage to any children or adults that have been exposed to the ethyl mercury, which turns to really harmful stuff once it enters the brain. Yes, mercury is one of those things that when I first heard about mercury and vaccines, I thought, no, surely, surely no one would put mercury into a vaccine that was going to go into anyone, let alone a child. But the answer is yes, they did. And then we learned that they were giving massively toxic doses way in excess of what was considered to be safe for an adult. And then they said, oh, no, ethyl mercury is a safe, a kind, kind. I mean, Paul Offit from Philadelphia Children's Hospital uses these terms. So this is, a, this is a, not a harmful form of, yes, it absolutely is a harmful form of mercury. And they completely misunderstand the way in which mercury is processed in the body, just like saying, oh, it's all rapidly excreted and then finding, no, it's not, it turns up in the brain, covalently linked to the tissues of the brain, such that it becomes almost impossible to get it out. And so we've got it wrong time and time and time again. And the problem with mercury is it's not only a poison to the brain, but it's a poison to every cell in the body, including the immune system. And so if you poison the immune system starting on day one of life, or indeed in pregnancy now by giving flu vaccines containing mercury to pregnant mothers, which is what the CDC recommends, then you are going to compromise the evolution of that baby's immune system such that when they encounter other vaccines like live viral vaccines, MMR, chickenpox, they are going to be woefully inadequate in their ability to handle and defend themselves against those other infections. So you're not just looking at an isolated effect of one toxin. You're looking at a knock-on effect of one toxin on another, on another, on another. And then you add aluminum into the mix. And we know that mercury potentiates the toxicity of aluminum manifold. And aluminum, likewise, is a, a toxin to the immune system that is put in there deliberately to intoxicate the immune system, to push it very hard towards an overreaction, an excessive antibody reaction. And so you now have this nightmare situation where you're adding one insult on top of another and never, ever subjecting them to a study of the synergistic interaction of these different things. And no wonder, no, absolutely no wonder we are in a catastrophic situation now where we have so many sick children uh, and nobody, nobody wanting to pay attention to it. Tony Fauci, during his tenure at the National Institutes of Health, in, in particular of, of allergy and infectious disease, has seen a massive increase in immunological diseases throughout the population, and particularly in children. Asthma has gone up dramatically and costs $80 billion a year, I'm told by the Thoracic Society of America. So um, he's been an absolute failure, an abject failure. 
uh, in his tenure there. And yet he's on television every day telling us about how we can protect ourselves from this novel pathogen. Uh, it, it's extraordinary for the man whose um, time in that position is associated with such an extraordinary failing in public health um, with no advances, no understanding, no improvement in where we are in these diseases, no step forward other than more pharmaceuticals that such a man should be in a position to be called an expert and be dictating to us how we should behave in the face of something like coronavirus. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He's, I think he controls $500 billion in uh, going, giving to different institutions for studies and such. And he can wave a hand and say, you can do this. You can do these studies. Don't hire that guy. You won't get any money. And his wife, interestingly enough, is um, a head, oversees the human testing um, for the NIH. Her name's Christine Grady. So it's kind of incestual. And, you know, another thing, we're almost out of time, but I, I do want to say this, and then you can comment on them, that the CDC actually ha holds 56 seven patents on medications so are in vaccines so they're the ones that are supposed to do the protection and and take a look at the safety but they also stand to profit potentially billions of dollars by the sales of these vaccines so the same company that's supposed to overlook at overlook these things for us or do oversight can at the same time go well if we if we sell these things, we got a lot of money coming in. So Fauci's either, either um, doing really well or doing really bad, depending on what side of the dollar you're on, potentially. And I'm not, I'm not saying much about where his motives are, but we're not, we should be doing better than worse after all these years. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The conflict of interest is rife. It's a disgrace. The people who should be um, overseeing uh, these things and protecting American people from harmful drugs are actually, they have skin in the game. They have skin in the game. They have vaccine patents. They have um, financial investments. They, uh, the CDC is basically a vaccine company. Uh, they sell $54 billion worth of vaccines a year. And how can they possibly um, be expected to regulate safety and, and take any interest in safety whatsoever. I think the safety office for vaccines is some is tucked away in a corridor somewhere uh, and little attention is paid to it. And when vaccine safety studies are done, as it was done with William Thompson, then they are fraudulently corrupted in order to preserve the um, CDC's devotion to the vaccine schedule and not to the health of American children. It's defunct. It needs to be disbanded in its current form and vaccine safety needs to be rehoused somewhere that is completely firewalled from the federal agencies such as the CDC and the pharmaceutical industry. That's what needs to happen and that's what I hope this film will lead to. So, yes, 1986theact.com, please go there and register. This film will be out soon. It comes out on the anniversary of the publication of George Orwell's 1984. I didn't know that until yesterday, but there we go. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I want to mention is just on what's going on with COVID is Bill Gates and Fauci apparently are, have financial interest in the company Moderna, which I'm uh, maybe saying that wrong, which is trying to come out with a vaccine to, to help with COVID. And, you know, um, I, uh, this is uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Thank you so much for taking the time to come speak to us. Uh, Santa Cruz is a huge...
huge component or proponent towards anti-vax, but there's a lot of people that just think that the doctrines that they've been given are true. Where can they go besides the movie, which is awesome, and I can't wait to show it and uh, hopefully play it in one of our theaters here, but where can they go to get information if they're worried about their children or they want help now? Can you give us uh, an idea of where they might go? We've got about six minutes left. Sure, the best website to go to in terms of rock-solid information, federally, state-by-state, in terms of laws, um, restrictions, uh, exemptions, is the National Vaccine Information Center, nvic.org. Extremely important resource. Go there and learn your rights, learn about the vaccines, learn about their risks and benefits, it's extremely well put together, extremely well referenced. Uh, so nvic.org is a very good starting point. But please, get informed. It's, there's no excuse now not to be informed on this issue. There is so much at stake. And when I got involved, and when people like Barbara Fisher got involved, there was very little information at all. And we had to go and find it. But we had to make it. We had to get into the science and actually do the work to produce it. Now that information is available and there is no excuse not to go and investigate just as the parents did in this film. Make it their duty as prospective parents to determine whether these things are safe for their children or not. And I won't spoil the end for you. That's very good. I thank you so much. So um, we want our everybody to go to the 1986theact.com. Um, at this point, um, I know that the movie's done, and you worked with, you know, is it pretty much funded at this point? Do you know, still need help with that? What can we do to help you? Help on distribution would be in, enormously. I mean, the, the more people who see this worldwide, the better it is. And, and distribution is expensive, um, but if you know if there's anyone out there who is interested in this and, and can help and goes to the website, likes what they see, then um, that would be absolutely wonderful. And there is a facility for donation and helping us on that website. So please use that. Um, every dollar that we receive will go to, to, to promoting this film and indeed then making the next film. That's awesome. And so where, what do you see happening immediately from this? Are, are they going to... Now, there's some lawsuits going on, right? I mean, I know there's some lawsuits that you've talked about. Um, these lawsuits, once they go to jury trial, could change everything. Can you just end off on telling us what, what difference it makes when we have a jury trial versus the other way? Absolutely. What, what um, this enables people to do is circumvent it. When there is fraud, the one thing that you can use to circumvent the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and the compensation program is fraud. If the companies have committed a fraud that would um, mean that they were liable for punitive damages in a court of law, then they cannot um, escape that. And if those cases go to court and get before a jury, then I have absolutely no doubt that when the jury sees the uh, documents that have been concealed, the facts that have been concealed, the fraud that has been committed. And Bobby is very much a part of this, very much driving this legal agenda. Then it is going to be game over for these companies. And it will go to court. It will happen. And justice will be done in some form or another. 
and uh, it is my sincere hope that the documents that have been uncovered in this film will form part of those cases, the protocol. Yeah, and I know that um, what uh, Bobby Kennedy was saying is these, he's hired the same group of attorneys that worked with him to beat Monsanto, and these guys wouldn't be in the game if they didn't think there was something to, some way to win and there was a skin in the game. So I think we are very lucky. We're coming to the bottom of the hour. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Okay, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Andy Wakefield coming to you, and uh, we hope that you had some good information about this. If you have any questions, you can always contact my office, Dr. Duncan McCollum, McCollum Family Chiropractic, and we will get you to the right place. But you want to go to the 1986 Act. 1986theact.com so that you'll be able to view this video when it comes out and then be sure to share it with everybody you know because some child's life could depend on it, their health and happiness, their ability to actually pursue a, a beautiful life in this amazing world that we live in. All right, thank you all. Sasha Dobson coming out with uh, Sasha Bassa, which is an incredible journey bouncing on daddy's knee. Tomorrow's Father's Day. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode of McCollum Wellness Radio, please share it with a friend and tell them one helpful fact that you learned today. Remember, the best way to learn is to teach. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease even if it does.